Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. Thank you for joining us today. This is Benjamin, your host here. Today we are visiting with the coastal south shore town of Hingham, Massachusetts, which is known for its incredible ocean views and plenty of its rich history. Hingham Bay is part of the outer Boston Harbor, and the Hingham Shipyard is where you will find wonderful shops, restaurants, and plenty of entertainment. This is one place we all need to visit, I want you to know. In this episode, we are speaking to a representative of the Higgum Historical Society as she walks us through the Benjamin Lincoln House, which has the distinction of being one of the oldest homes in America. In fact, it is older than America itself. She shares with us information about the former resident of this fine home, Major General Benjamin Lincoln, and his family history. She also speaks to us in detail as to the home and the preservation easement by both New England and the town of Hingham. Our guest is the executive director and curator of this organization. Let's welcome this one lovely lady, Deirdre Anderson. Hello there, Deirdre. Thank you for joining our show. I really appreciate you taking time to visit with us. I, you know, I've always loved history. And, uh, but let me preface by, before we get started by saying that prior to the Declaration of Independence in 1776, there were 13 colonies representing the British Empire, and Massachusetts was one of them. And so it's rich with history, and that's why I have you on my show today. And, I, and again, I, I'm grateful for that. And uh, so, uh, Deirdre, tell us about uh, your, a little bit about yourself, your hometown, Hinkham, and uh, the organization and its mission, if you would, please. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to join you today on your lot and parcel. We appreciate the opportunity to uh, broadcast our efforts to a larger audience. As you said, my name is Deirdre Anderson, and I have the lucky job as serving as the executive director of the Hingham Historical Society in historic Hingham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I've served in this capacity for three years. I was a volunteer at the society and the director position became available. And my husband turned to me and said, that is your dream job. And indeed Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Mm -hmm. I am a Hingham native. I was born and raised here as the youngest of five children, but I left for a long time to other parts of the country. And my husband and I moved back in Mm -hmm. 2013. So I had been home uh, raising children and volunteering at the society. And when the position came open, um, I, I left, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. The Hingham Historical Society is, as I said, located in historic Hingham, which is a suburb of Boston. It's a town of approximately 23,000 people. Mm -hmm. We're we're equidistant between Boston and Plymouth, (laughs) and we pride ourselves on our history. Mm -hmm. Well, good, because I I know you're only about, what, 20, 22 miles away from Boston. 
Exactly. They say 18 as the crows fly, but you've all heard about Boston traffic. So if you Mm. can get there in 18 minutes, I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's a lot of history there in Boston as well. So, oh, like I said, I I love history and I think there's always something to learn uh, allegorically. And uh, so I understand that uh, we're going to be talking about the Benjamin Lincoln House. And I understand you just the organization just acquired uh, this home. And uh, so what are the plans for this home, Deidre? Well, that is, that's a question we are uh, asking ourselves and, and, and absorbing a lot of input from experts and people with a lot of experience um, managing mm-hmm. historic properties for which um, in New England, we are fortunate to have a lot of um, of resources in that in that realm. Mm-hmm. The goal of the the mission of the Hingham Historical Society, of course, is to collect and preserve Hingham history and and promote it with our within our community and the larger region. Mm-hmm. And the Benjamin Lincoln House um, was one of two, if you can believe it, national historic landmarks in the town of Hingham. There are about 180 national historic landmarks in Massachusetts, mm. and Hingham is fortunate enough to have two. Of course, it's the highest designation the, the, the Department of the Interior gives to a structure, and uh, it, the Benjamin Lincoln House was named a national historic landmark okay. um, in the late 20th century. The other historic landmark in Hingham is the Old Ship Meeting House, which was built in 1681 and is the longest wooden meeting house um, in operation as a church in America. Um, mm. And it is a pristine example of a, of a colonial uh, meeting house. But the Benjamin Lincoln House, if you can believe it, until 2019 was occupied by descendants of Thomas Lincoln, who okay. settled settled in Hingham in the 1630s um, from Hingham, Norfolk, England. So Hingham had long been the land of the Massachusetts tribe uh, and members of the Massachusetts tribe are still with us and live among us in Massachusetts, of course, from which the state hails its name. Um, But the English settlers that came to Hingham in the 1630s were primarily from uh, the East Anglia um, section of, of Britain. And like we say, all Lincolns in America came through Hingham, Massachusetts. In fact, there were so many Lincoln settlers, they were known by their profession. And the mm. Benjamin Lincoln house was built by Thomas Lincoln, the Cooper. And mm. a Cooper is someone who works with wood. Ah, okay. Very good. And what, give us the website so that my listenership can view uh, our discussion here, what we're talking about. Thank you. Our website sure. is hinghamhistorical.org. That's H-I-N-G-H-A-M historical.org. Very good. So uh, the actual address is 181 North Street. There in Correct. And uh, I understand the, the property uh, you just acquired, I believe, in December. So just just recently. And uh, so it's a good deal. Very good. Uh, the initial builder, apparently you indicated it was Thomas. Thomas was the initial builder. Yes, we've had the good fortune of having, um, there's an organization in North America called the Vernacular Architecture Forum. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, academicians and practitioners that study the architecture of the everyday. And just as luck would have it, 
a fellow by the name of Richie Garrison and uh, um, Jeff Klee uh, came into our lives as they prepare for a uh, North American conference in 2023 mm -hmm. to study several Hingham properties, including the Benjamin Lincoln House. So we are fresh off of some dendrochronological dating done on mm -hmm. the house. Mm -hmm. And what we have learned is it's on the history books as being built sometime in the 1660s. And it is likely that there are sections of the home that have some timbers from the 1660s. Mm -hmm. But what the experts have found is they knew the colonial uh, settlers recycled, but they never had any idea just how much until they studied the Benjamin Lincoln House. And it's likely the original structure was dismantled sometime around 1720 and mm. rebuilt. And the mm. section that was rebuilt is the oldest section of the current house. Yeah, sure. And then it was expanded probably in about 1760 when the Major General Benjamin Lincoln and his wife moved in with Benjamin's widowed mother. Mm. About that. I did uh, read up a little bit on that, and uh, I understand the foundation is made out of granite. I understand what it allows you to find out, and uh, so it, it's it's there, and it's going to stay there. Yes. <laughs> that. So this uh, this Major General Benjamin Lincoln, no relation to our 16th president, correct? Well, that is a great question, and one we we love. They were distant cousins, as I mentioned. All Lincolns uh. in America came through Hingham. <laughs> And uh, our, yeah. our, our beloved 16th president descends from Samuel Lincoln, the weaver, who right. likely had a, a homestead right across North Street from mm. Thomas Lincoln Cooper. Mm. And so when you visit historic Hingham, Massachusetts, you will see we have a beautiful sculpture of our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, in Fountain Square, mm. just off the front door of the Benjamin Lincoln House. And there is also a historic marker to the Major General Benjamin Lincoln. So mm -hmm. there's no record, sadly, of Abraham Lincoln ever visiting Hingham, Massachusetts. But he did correspond in the 19th century with Solomon Lincoln, who was his cousin, also descended from Samuel the Weaver. Mm -hmm. And he did understand that his ancestral roots in America were in Hingham, Massachusetts. Mm. About that. Um, Benjamin Lincoln's family. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I understand she married. He married um, a woman by the name of Mary, but I, I wasn't able to dig up too much uh, any any historical uh, information on that. Sure. Um, so Benjamin Lincoln, the Major General, for whom the house achieved its National Historic Landmark status, <coughs> as you will know, Major General Benjamin Lincoln was the fourth Benjamin Lincoln in his family. Mm. And he was destined to be a farmer and a maltster, beer maker like his father before him. Mm. And his, in fact, his brother Bela was tapped to be the son that would go to Harvard and become a doctor, which he did. Um, and sadly, Bela passed at an early age of 40. And so that, some historians feel, cleared the way for Benjamin to take a more prominent role, which he did in the, in basically in the run-up to the American Revolution, serving mm -hmm. as head of the town's militia and um, it being the appointment to the Massachusetts court. 
And then, of course, he was tapped by Commander Washington um, from the Massachusetts militia to help him. And he is the only major general in the American Revolution under Commander Washington to have served in all three battles, Saratoga, mm. <clears throat> Charleston, and Yorktown. Mm-hmm. And he's most famous for receiving the British Sword of Surrender at Yorktown, Virginia in 1781. So mm. the famous Trumbull painting that hangs in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol, we always like to tell people that's Major General Benjamin Lincoln from Hingham on the White Horse. And you can see Commander Washington in the background. But Benjamin, and after the revolution, he came home and and settled um, back at his farm. He did, as you mentioned, he married a woman by the name of Mary Cushing. And she was from Pembroke, Massachusetts. And the Cushings, like the Lincolns, were a a major um, family in the early settlement of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And there were many Cushings, and in fact... Uh, Benjamin's sisters all married Cushing men. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, the Cushings and the Lincolns, you couldn't walk down the street without uh, meeting one of them in the the middle of the 18th century. Mm -hmm. About that. I know he was quite an influence. Um, I understand that many, many of the cities in different southern uh, a part of the country there are named after Lincoln. You would have thought Abraham, right? But it's actually in relation to Benjamin Lincoln, which I found to be astonishing, you know? Uh, so he's kind of a little bit in the background there, but yet he did leave uh, an impression, definitely an impression. And uh, so as we look at your website there, uh, uh, Pedro, can you, can you describe and share some of the details? of the home itself and uh, the preservation, by the way, the preservation uh, easement uh, there uh, from both uh, the historic New England and Hingham. Sure, absolutely. So the Benjamin Lincoln House is considered a a first period house in in New England. So you'll hear architectural historians (laughs) referring to it as a first period house. And that Hmm. essentially means homes in New England, which survived from before 1725. And um, the, hor- the homes that survived um, tended to be the homes of wealthier, more prominent people that were more spacious and were more adaptable by future generations. And that's certainly the case with the Benjamin Lincoln home. Um, it's, it's a two-story, uh, they call it a seven-bay house. It's clapboard with um, uh, two, a chimney on the east and west side, um, mm-hmm. the exterior um, has, you know, there are probably, you know, six windows on the second floor and six windows on the bottom floor. It sits on a granite foundation and, and it faces to the south. Um, you walk in a very commanding front door um, that leads to a beautiful two-story staircase um, and a telltale architectural detail to talk about its evolution is immediately to your left is a small hallway to what the current owners used as the dining room, but is known as the great room. And right there is another stairwell to the second floor. And well, you might walk in today and say, oh, was that for perhaps an era when there were servants? And indeed, no, it was the fact that it was a two family home in the 1760s when Benjamin and Mary moved in with their 11 children and Benjamin's mother and 
and sisters were were next door. It's the original staircase or one of the earlier staircases next to the main staircase Mm. off of that beautiful front entry hallway, um, which has been featured in newspaper and beautiful uh, house, beautiful in the early 1920s. Um, Off to the right is the parlor where the major general's secretary and chair um, still still sit today. There's a beautiful fireplace with some Delft tiles. And then behind that beautiful parlor is a small room that the current descendants used as a den. And then off that is in the far northeast corner of the home is what the family long called the Borning Room. But as our our architectural historians remind us, people were not born, nor did they die every day. So it was more likely the major general's office. Mm. And indeed, currently, the many generations of Lincolns that lived in the home up until 2019, beautifully preserved papers, books, documents, Mm. photographs relating to the Lincoln family over the centuries. And so that has become a bit of a our, our history room from which most of our archives regarding the family will come. Mm-hmm. Moving back through the den into the original old kitchen, there is a beautiful, you know, huge fireplace. It has been slightly modernized in that the beehive oven has been removed to accommodate a 20th century refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And then very simple cabinetry and a sink. But even up until 2019, the current owners lived without a dishwasher and a, a range that plugged into the wall. But because mm-hmm. of preservation easements, as you mentioned, think of the electrical work as you might at a, at a fishing cabin or it's, mm-hmm. it's all on the exterior. Yes. And so that none of the original wood paneling and wainscoting was compromised. Okay. And then you continue into a pantry and a very, um, which gets a lot of visitors very excited. Mm -hmm. In the northwest corner of the home, built into a hill that rises up behind the home, is is an original dairy room with the 18th century shelving and slat windows that the family, of course, would have used for refrigeration. And then you continue back out of the dairy room into, as I mentioned, the great room or more recently used as a dining room. On the way, you will pass a laboratory that was obviously added probably sometime in the 19th century and and modernized in the 20th century when uh, one of the residents needed to have a first floor bedroom and uh, bathroom access. We are having a delightful visit with the curator of the Major General Benjamin Lincoln House in Hingham, Massachusetts, and we are discussing the importance of preserving this one special home. Here she is again, Deirdre Anderson. Mm-hmm. So that's the layout of, of the first floor. Would you like me to continue upstairs or you want to hear yes. about the preservation easement? No, go, go ahead. Go, let's go upstairs and see what's up there. Sure. So if we, we, if we return to the beautiful two-story entry hall and go up those stairs, mm-hmm. you pass a beautiful Simon Willard case clock in the corner. Of course, mm-hmm. there's a Simon Willard clock in the U.S. Senate as well. You pass a beautiful four-foot portrait of the Major General in his civilian clothes painted by Henry Sargent. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. You come around to the second floor landing. Off to your left is a twin-bedded guest room that was likely the Major General and Mary Cushing's bedroom. You continue to the right past the earlier 1720 staircase and into the master bedroom where Benjamin Lincoln's bed as crafted for him uh, as a wedding present, we think, uh, from Mm. one of Mary's brothers, Mm. is still there. And all Lincoln descendants since uh, his passing in 1810 have slept in that bed. So Mm. that's still there. Um, Off of the master bedroom is is a bathroom that continues to two very small rooms that were over the dairy room. One of which was um, the beverage children, uh, Albert, Lisa, and Franklin, lived in the home with their mother, Elizabeth, in the 20th century. One was Albert's room, and the room across the hall from him was Betty Cooper, who helped Mrs. Beverage, who was divorced from her husband um, in the 1940s, uh, raise the children and and cook. Um, You go back through the master bedroom, and there's a two small bedrooms off the back of the on the north side of the house and then in the northeast corner is a is another small twin bedded room hmm. about that and there's <clears throat> another bathroom so. and um it, it's not a it's not a small house by any stretch i understand it's about it is not a small house yeah. in fact we um you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast how hmm. we're planning to use the home yes. and certainly for as a house museum for visitors to come and tour and and learn more about 11 generations of Lincolns who have lived in that home. But -hmm. because there are so many rooms, it provides an opportunity where we may be able to use one of the bedrooms as a gallery space or as a library for people coming to research particular topics about American history. Sure, sure. Well, that's great. My understanding in total, I believe there's about 13 rooms. Yes, keeps going and going. Yeah, yeah, 37. And it's amazing, yes, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing to think after all this time, structurally, since 1760, it is is pretty much not changed. How about that? One of the more fascinating aspects is if you can access the attic from two spaces on the original, the 1720 stairs continues up into the attic, Mm-hmm. as well as on the north side of the house. And one of the incredible features that really contributes to our ability to preserve this house and open it as a, an interpretive center and a center for education is mm-hmm. in the attic, in the southeast corner of the attic, is a space with a window and a very crude um, a slat window, I mean, and a, and a doorway made out of old paneling that the family referred to as Robert's room. In, in essence, it is the dwelling of a, a Robert, who was Benjamin Lincoln's coachman, and before mm-hmm. Robert, people that whom were enslaved in the house. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have quarters in the attic, the major general's parlor, and then this daily life of colonial work going on in the kitchen and the preserved dairy room, it really is an in- incredible New England yeah. and American story yeah. there in one house. Absolutely. Yeah. I understand that the specs are 3,750 square feet is the home. Mm-hmm. It's on a little over a half an acre, a little over 24,000 square feet. But, you know, <clears throat> in reading uh, the initial, um, well, uh, they, they, they amassed their wealth a lot by uh, farm 
the land, I understand. Mm-hmm. So this is really just a fraction of what they used to own. It's true, Ben. And we are scrambling. And when I say scrambling, scrambling to dig into the historic record and to find out, for instance, where was the malt house? Where Mm. was the barn? We do have some old, we're fortunate to have photographs from the Civil War period, which suggest Mm. up behind the hill, behind the home, were orchards. We, We do know they had a lot of orchards. But we are still trying to decipher, you know, if there was farm farmland, as the English settlers would give most settlers mm. a house lot, a wood lot, and a grazing lot. And mm. oftentimes, we're the farthest away from the settlement and the grazing lots in the middle. And in fact, mm. I think most New England commons, the, the, the term common comes from common grazing grounds. Mm. And so um, we're still trying to put those pieces together. Sure. Yeah. My goodness. <clears throat> I know he was born in 1733, according to what I was able to find out. And uh, I'm talking about this major, the major general. And uh, 17, 1733. And um, I, I read up, just to brush up my history. It's been a while since I've been in school, you know, Deidre? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kind of brushed up a little bit, you know. <clears throat> but uh, he was there when the, um, like you said earlier, Boston's not too far from you. You know what happened in Boston with the Tea Party, the Boston Tea Party. He was then about uh, 40 years old. So he was mm-hmm. a, quite a mature man and saw what was happening and got involved. He really did. He was. And as you can imagine, at that age, when he went yeah. off to war, yeah. his children ate ranged in age from two to 17. How about that? And so Mary, his <coughs> wife, who we know mm. from her wedding shoes, which they were amazingly preserved as well as her wedding coat, mm. was a tiny woman, tiny. Um, but uh, she was very strong. In fact, Mattern, David Mattern, Benjamin Lincoln's biographer, who um, gave a wonderful lecture to our community and September of 2020, he <laughs> quotes a Dutch general that came after the war to visit the Major General Lincoln and, and Mary at their home in Hingham and described Mary Lincoln as a bit of a Roman emperor in terms of how she managed the household. So I think yeah. that might have been the only way to get it done in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Your survival her chest- depended on it. Yeah, well, yeah, it compensated for her. Yes, yeah, uh, stature, size. you know. Yeah, <laughs> my gosh. <clears throat> you, um, let's see what we got here. The, oh, yeah, the preservation of the easement. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So it's it's an amazing thing that I've received a, an education in. So mm-hmm. New England, Historic New England, is an amazing organization um, that preserves properties throughout the New England states. They were previously known as the Society for the Preservation of New England Antiquities. And now as historic New England, they preserve homes and landscapes um, throughout the New England region. And Mm. they're the preeminent um, body in terms of material culture. And we learn a lot from them. And in the 1990s, the Lincoln descendants um, entered into a preservation restriction agreement with historic New England. Mm. And what that did was it gave the Lincoln family peace of mind that certain aspects of the home 
could never be changed. And even when they came to sell it, as they did to us at the end of last year, there are certain um, restrictions that go with the deed of the home. So for instance, there can never be an, an additional structure built on the property. So there is no three-car garage or swimming pool uh, going in at the Benjamin Lincoln house. Yes. You cannot change the exterior windows or doors. And in fact, the restrictions continue to the interior of the house where you cannot drill through original paneling mm -hmm. or uh, joists. And mm -hmm. so for instance, um, the great room, which the most recent residents used as a dining room, there's no chandelier or there's, there's quite minimal wired lighting. Mm -hmm. And you would not be able to, for instance, add a chandelier. But what that does do is it does preserve the architectural story of the home. And yes. Historic New England, we have a preservation officer that works with us and it's wonderful because we learn from them and we can apply what they've learned at their other properties. For instance, they're advising us on how we anticipate uh, the visitor experience to a home that is transitioning from a residence to a historic house museum. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it protects the home. It is ironclad in sense of mm -hmm. it, it moves with the house. Um, yes. There's always a risk that, you know, as, as someone said in our negotiations when we were buying the house, that, you know, yeah. restriction easements can be as, only as strong as someone's lawyer. Exactly. So there, yeah. there is an understanding that had it gone into private sale, that a new owner could have modernized <laughs> the kitchen or the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, but we will, we will likely not do that. Yeah. Uh, we will try to interpret all the generations and, and the lesson that tells us in terms of residential life being compatible with historic preservation. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, title companies, you call it uh, CC and Ernest Conditions, uh, Covenants and Restrictions. You know, So some of those things are arbitrary, like you indicated. Uh, however, I, I know it's gone over some, some modification uh, the home has. Uh, yes. So how far... Um, how far do you can, can you go in refurbishing a home like that before you dim, you uh, diminish the value? Uh, I well, I think you bring up an excellent question. And for instance, you know, how do we make the home as a public historic site accessible right. to many people? Yes. And um, for instance, right now we have agreed with our town's permitting bodies and. The, the historic New England that we would make the back door to the home, the kitchen door, our handicap accessible entrance. Okay. But once someone, for instance, who might be in a wheelchair enters the home in the kitchen, mm -hmm. the other pathways to other rooms in the house wouldn't are too narrow to accommodate even the you know most stealth um, wheelchair. Exactly. So what can we do with electronics to give them an experience or technology to give them experience to see the rest of the house? And we can be very mm -hmm. creative with that. And mm -hmm. I'm excited for that. But will we have, you know, can we upgrade the electrical to accommodate a greater use of technology? Mm -hmm. And yes, we can. But one of the questions we asked was, there is, we do know there is, for instance, the east wall of the kitchen was added in the 20th century to separate the bathroom and if we took that down, a visitor who might not be able to access the rest of the house could at least <laughs> pe peer into the great room. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Do we want to do that? So these are these we literally yeah. have to handle every decision yeah. individually. It'll take some thinking or, or, or it does you know, virtual standpoint too. I mean, you know, yes, of course. Get them into the front room; they they, they can view everything from a from the screen there. Uh, Absolutely. So it, it'll take some thinking, but uh, I'm sure you folks should take care of that. I uh, so it's interesting how uh, the uh, the structure and so forth there and. Uh, I had another point here I'm looking for. Or, well, it says what qualifies a house or any structure, for that matter, a historical jewel worth uh, while uh, preserving. So what qualifies it? Is it the, 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 the family or the age? Uh, can you put your finger on that? Sure. Um, well, we like to, you know, what the public most cares about today in terms of is... Yes. What stories does the house tell? But as you right. well know, from a, a career in real estate, all homes have stories. And I yes, think that's always. what makes them fascinating. And we're we're all but stewards for a short period of time. But mm -hmm. for historic homes, it's really the age and the integrity. Um, mm -hmm. Most states qualify a historic home as over 50 years old. So mm -hmm. from where we sit today, that's any home built before 1971. Yes. But other criteria to consider is is the home connected to a significant historical event? Is it connected to a significant individual? Um, does it have, does it embody a particular architectural style? <clears throat> and is it likely to provide important historical information about a, a, about a community? So those are typically the criteria. It is quite mm -hmm. a process to get listed oh, on the National Register, for example, and, and much more to be designated a national historic landmark but yeah. when people are interested in finding out about um, whether or not a property is historic a, a good place to start is to visit your town or city government and do they mm -hmm. have a historic commission or do they have a historical society that can give them some detail on the house if if your town or city does not have either of those, you can often go to the tax assessor's office and and trace the residence of the home from who has paid the taxes on the property. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and some states also then have historic inventories, how many homes were built in, in a certain era. So those are ways to find out detail about your house. Um, in Western states, which I just love having mm -hmm. lived some time in the state of Washington and my husband in the state of Colorado, during the 1930s and the Works Progress Administration, many tax assessors went around and they took photographs. So many state um, or city assessment offices have amazing historic photographs of homes, mm. which are very helpful in terms of returning homes to their original look. Yeah, good. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. And uh, I'll tell you what, Massachusetts is definitely a place to go if you want to see some history there. Um, so can you uh, speak to the importance of preserving history for future generations, Deidre? Oh, I'd love to. That's our, you know, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. And mm -hmm. especially, I wrote a piece for a medium last spring, Ben, called Preservation in a Pandemic. Mm. And I believe the value of historic preservation is the reminder to all of us humans about our resiliency. And um, in the 
difficulties we have faced as a nation this past year, everything from a global pandemic to racial reckoning, I look, you know, I would come and go from the Benjamin Lincoln house and I would feel stronger because I thought people are able to get, they're resilient and history reminds us of our resiliency and historic structures are the physical embodiment of that resiliency that this, that the home, the Benjamin Lincoln home had witnessed pandemics. It had witnessed strife and it still stands. And that's, uh, and the people who lived in the home, their stories tell us about how that was their shelter during similar trials. So I feel that it's, it's the best physical embodiment of, you know, whatever challenges we face, we can, you know, we're resilient. Absolutely. It sure gives an impact. I mean, it's something that's tangible, something Mm -hmm. you can see, touch, smell when you go in there and just uh, takes you back in history. There was an American activist, he quoted, and I think this kind of wraps it up and capsulizes what we're talking about. He says that if people without the knowledge of the past history, origin, and culture it's like a tree without roots. Oh, I love that. And uh, I, I believe that. <clears throat> There's lots to be learned from history. It tells us where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I appeal to my listenership to support TehingamHistorical.org and, and, and give us a, give us a yep, phone number. We sure do. And hey, we would your love for anyone coming to... Uh, the metro Boston area or Massachusetts when we are all wonderfully traveling again in the yeah. future. And I, I, I do hope you're as optimistic for that future as we are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You can easily access Hingham from metro Boston by boat or train and call us at 781-749-7721. And truly, we'll pick you up at the station or we'll pick you up at the dock uh, and we'll get you downtown. And it yeah. is a it's a wonderful walking campus. Um, you will be transported back into Colonial America. And it's also Hingham is a, a lovely um, town for shopping and dining. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're on the water. So yes, you sure. get a feel yes. for nautical coastal New England, too. That's wonderful. <clears throat> well, Deidre, it's been a genuinely uh, a delight to have you on the show. And uh, and uh, again, I make this appeal to uh, for my listenership to support your efforts here. And and again, uh, I thank you for your, your, your dedication there. And uh, you keep up the good work, Deidre. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate being on. For your listeners, if you have a suggestion or a recommendation of a subject matter you want to discuss, please let me know at yourlotandparcel.com. And now, if you would excuse me... This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com. 